Welcome to Faith and Family, a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. And now from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood and welcome to Faith and Family. Thank you for joining us today as we launch into an entire new series and we're calling this Family Bible Studies in the Gospel According to St. Luke. And I'd like to start off the broadcast with a question. It's just like, why are we doing a family Bible study on faith and family radio? I'd like to just tell you a, a short story of a visit that I had at EWTN in the fall of 2017. I was in the midst of a TV interview with Father Mitch Paqua, and we were discussing the Reformation, Martin Luther, and the doctrine of justification. And I don't know if you realize, if you've ever never been to EWTN during a TV recording session, actually this is a live broadcast, but halfway through there's a break. It's kind of an advertisement comes up, and people in the audience are asked if they have any questions. And and what the host does, Father Mitch, he kind of sorts through the questions, finding the ones that were very relevant. So here we're talking about the doctrine of justification, grace and works, Martin Luther, the 500th anniversary of the Protestant Reformation uh, coming up. And one woman asked this question, how do we keep so many of our youth from falling away from the faith? And you know, on one hand, you would say, well, that question was really off topic, but I said to Father Mitch, I would really like to take that question. And so we came back on the air. Here we are in a live broadcast, and she asked that question. And I said this under my breath, and, and I've actually never gone back and watched the broadcast, but I understand it was picked up. I just quietly said, that is the question of the 21st century. And I still believe that. In many ways, what I see the goal of Faith and Family broadcast uh, really over the next few years is to try to equip parents to be prepared to face the challenge of raising children in a toxic culture and specifically how do you keep so many from falling away? And, you know, today, even the ones that haven't, quote, fallen away from practicing their faith, in other words, they go to Mass, but they still may be captured by some deeply flawed and immoral ideas, things like abortion, transgenderism, same-sex marriage. There's tons of confusion. So I am right in the middle of writing a book in answer to that woman's question that she asked on EWTN. How can we keep so many of our youth from falling away from the faith, and particularly how to prevent this? So I think the situation is serious enough when two-thirds of our young people fall away or cease practicing their faith that I don't want to wait till the book's done till I start implementing those things which I recommend. And a major answer to preventing faith dropouts is to have the scriptures internalized. 
And let me share with you just three verses from one of my favorite psalms in the Old Testament. Psalm 1 starts this way. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Now, somebody might say, particularly a parent, what does this have to do with raising kids so they don't fall away from the faith? Here it is. Okay, you might have a five-year-old running around your house and you think, uh, how does Psalm 1 apply to my family? Well, it's this. I can tell you what's coming in the future. It's called peer pressure. It has been for years the major avenue for young people being pulled away from the faith. Now, if that's not bad enough, you also have a new thing called social media pressure, pulling young people into lifestyles they never would have dreamed of otherwise. And here we go back to Psalm 1. It says, the person is not walking, and that means your course of life, your manner of life. It's not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. In other words, taking delight in the scriptures, internalizing them, gives you the necessary strength to resist both social media pressure and peer pressure. And believe me, in the 21st century, a young person is going to need it. So if you're not going to get your, your cues, so to speak, on how to act in life from the media, from social media, from your peers, where do you get it? Verse 2. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. See, that's the problem. Drying up faith, falling away faith, quitting the faith, and rooting oneself. And I'm not talking about I don't know, kind of a superficial exposure to Scripture, but I'm talking about a desire to know God and having the Scriptures internalized so that it's like a tree planted by streams of water. I've actually studied horticulture. I like horticulture, and I realize one of the first things you have to do before you begin any major planting project, you have to figure out a water source, because without water, plants die. And without internalized scripture, the tree withers. Your, your child, your son, your daughter, your teen, your young adult, they dry up and fade away from the faith. So the scriptures are the answer to keeping the perpetual fruit bearing, the fruitful lasting faith through the course of the 21st century. Now let's talk about a little bit deeper the challenges that a young person will face growing up in the 21st century. Reason you have unprecedented numbers falling away, we're living in a different time. And if you want a description of the times we're living in, it's symbolic, yes, but get a hold of this. It's from the book of Revelation in chapter 9, the second verse. He opened the shaft of the bottomless pit, 
and from the shaft rose smoke like the smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened with the smoke from the shaft. You know, Bishop Sheen said one of the three great Catholic apocalyptic works were, well, one of them was a book by a Monsignor Benson, who was himself a convert to the Catholic faith. He wrote a book entitled Lord of the World, and basically this was written early in the 1900s, and it was basically looking forward about a century. And he saw very dark times coming on the world, and the Christians were going around saying, you know, there's kind of like a fog, but I can't, you can't really see it, see it, you can't quite perceive it, but but things are murky. They're not quite as clear as they used to be. And I think Monsignor Benson was trying to describe what I just read to you from Revelation chapter 9. And we are living in a darkened culture. Now, let me say to those older adults listening, to you, a darkening of our culture seems abnormal, okay? But for a young person, the darkening of our culture seems normal. And now, in other words, that's the way it's always been during their lifetime. And how are you going to see beyond the fog, so to speak? How are you going to see through the darkness? Well, glad you asked. Psalm 119 is another psalm. In fact, there are three psalms that really extol the merits of the scriptures. Psalm 1, Psalm 19, and Psalm 119. And now I'm going to Psalm 119, verse 105. Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It's real simple. When it gets dark, you need a light. And what does God say is our source of light in the darkness? Thy word is a light to my feet, a lamp to my path. Now, you might say, well, that sounds awfully Protestant, depending on the scripture so much. Well, here's a quote from our first pope, St. Peter. And he actually wrote two books of the Bible. So this is a very Catholic thing to do. Listen carefully to 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 9. He says this, and we have the prophetic word made more sure. He's talking about the scriptures. You will do well to pay attention to this as a lamp shining in a dark place. You know, the Catholic faith is capable of surviving in a pagan culture. The Catholic faith is capable of nurturing children to have the faith and keep the faith in the midst of a darkening culture. They did it in the first century. We are not doing it in the 21st century. So what I'm suggesting doing, going right back to what the psalmist said, how the Jews kept their faith in the great God, Yahweh, his word, a lamp to the feet, or St. Peter in the New Testament. Pay attention to this as a lamp shining in a dark place. Now, what 
youth worker, what priest, what deacon, what parent isn't concerned for their children growing up with the sexual immoral immorality landmines everywhere? What was sexually immoral according to just your common cultural decency has now become normal. So how can a young person keep their way pure in an impure world? Glad you asked. Back to Psalm 119, this time verse 9. How can a young man keep his way pure? This is the scriptures asking this question. How can a young man keep his way pure? by guarding it according to thy word. So the scriptures, and again, not just out there, but heeding them and receiving them. Meditating means it's something you receive inside yourself and you hold. And by holding it, you can counter the peer pressure, the cultural pressure, the social media, the darkening culture, the sexual immorality landmines. This is where the scriptures come in. This is why I'm launching this series before you read a chapter in my book saying how necessary this is, because we're in a 911. When two thirds of our Catholic youth are falling away, uh, how, how long do we have to wait before we do something different? So we need to do something different, and that something different is returning to the scriptures. Now, one of the key things that you learn from scripture is how to spot spiritual deceptions. And along with the negative things going on that I've mentioned so far, one of the worst are spiritual deceptions, deceptions that go on in our own midst. There's some German cardinal saying it's, it's okay to bless same-sex unions really? Is this something that we're called to do in a Catholic church? Now, if you're acquainted with the scriptures, you're not going to fall for something like that. But it speaks at the end of the book of Revelation that there's going to come a time after a long period of church history where Satan is loosed from a prison and he'll be able to go out worldwide and again deceive the nations. This is Revelation chapter 20, verses 7 and 8. And how is he going to deceive the nations? Hear this. This is very simple, but utterly profound. He is going to do the exact same thing he did before he was bound with the coming of first coming of Christ. He's going to return to the most ancient of deceptions because it works so well. So what did he do? In Genesis chapter 3, he came to Adam and Eve, and he said, if you determine your own morality from what you view as right and wrong, you shall be as gods. And God doesn't want you to do that because he's jealous of you. And this is how Satan lured our first parents into original sin. You will be gods. Just determine for yourself right and wrong. See, it's not. this is where the deception is. It's not simply a de- temptation to do wrong. It's a temptation for you, yourself, to determine right or wrong. Now, if you don't have a standard 
by which to measure things that comes from God, and that's what the scriptures are. And the catechism is basically a synthesis of those teachings of the scripture. But if you don't have a divine source, what happens? When you're trying to make moral decisions based on your own authority of what's right and wrong, you have fallen right into the trap that plunged the world into original sin. Now, I have mentioned this several times, but I don't think the significance has gotten across because this is one where you should run to your nearest wall and pull the fire alarm saying there is something really amiss going on, and it's this. The Knights of Columbus did a tremendous survey of millennials, that's young Catholic adults, and they found out in that survey that 82% of Catholic youth and young adults don't believe there is absolute truth. In other words, truth is maybe relative to how I feel or how the situation seems or or whatever, what my friends think, but there's no absolute truth. And of course, this is what the scriptures will give, will give a person, young or old or in between, a sense of absolute truth. Now, the U.S. average of youth and young adults not believing in absolute truth is 64%. In other words, Catholic youth are considerably worse off than the average American young person, 82%. So where do, we, where do we grow in our faith so that we're not depending on ourselves, we're not falling into deceptions? Well, it's this. And by the way, if you want a list of the scriptures that I am going through today, I realize I'm giving a lot of scripture, but that's good. Um, you can simply send an email to Ask the host at gmail.com, and I'll not only send you a list of the uh, books, chapter, and verse, I'll actually print out the scriptures for you so you can see why we are doing this family Bible study in the Gospel of Luke. But here we are, Hebrews chapter 4, and he has a mild rebuke, the writer to Hebrews, starting in verse 11. He says, about this we have much to say, which is hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. Because by this time you ought to be teachers, but yet you need someone to teach you the first principles of God's word. You need milk, not solid food. And you see, what he is describing is a level of maturity, and the maturity isn't dependent upon your age and young people listening, and I want young people to participate in these family Bible studies in the Gospel of Luke because it's not your chronological age, it's your maturity in understanding God's Word. And if you just kind of never get beyond scratching the surface or maybe having one or two verses, but that's it, and you don't really bother to try to understand anything comprehensively, then you're like a bottle-fed baby and you're not maturing. And the goal for a Christian, particularly living in the 21st century, is to grow to maturity 
so that you can discern the difference between good and evil. Because believe me, to use a baseball analogy, there's a lot of curveballs coming your way in today's world. And if you just depend upon yourself and your own understanding, you're going to come up short. But I'm going to go on. The next couple of verses here in Hebrews 4, it says, but solid food is for the mature, for those who have their faculties trained by practice to discern good from evil. So in other words, we want to look at maturing in our understanding of Scripture. And that's why uh, the Gospels are a great place to begin learning Scripture. And if you want to learn the four Gospels, you start with one. Get to know one And if you know that one, it'll help you to understand the other three and contrast and compare and comprehend. By knowing one in depth, you'll know the other three. But you have to get this because apart from this, you won't be able to really discern good from evil because believe me, we have false voices today in the church, in the culture, in the social media, in the wider media. But it says, have their faculties trained by practice to distinguish good from evil. I love this word, trained, because in the Greek, this word, and you're going to guess where, what English word we get from this, this Greek word is gymnazo. We get the English word gymnasium from this. Now, let's say you want to get in shape. Do you go to the gym three or four times once every three years and expect to be in shape? No. You make it a regular practice and not necessarily every day, but if you can go to the gym at least a few times a week, it makes a difference. You become trained and you become trained by gymnasio, by regular practice to distinguish good from evil. Now, again, if you think everything is just hunky-dory in today's world, forget these family Bible studies in the Gospel of Luke. But if you're a young person or a parent who thinks we might be living in extraordinary situations with two-thirds of our young adults and youth washing out of the faith, then scriptures are the way to go. And let's talk about Jesus himself. You know, Jesus faced Satan head-on in the wilderness. And exactly what did he do to overcome the assaults of Satan when he was in the wilderness? He was trying to trip him up. He was trying to deceive him. He was trying to get him to do the wrong thing. Well, we know that, that Jesus three times appealed to the scriptures. It is said, it is written, it is written, And, you know, he didn't have scrolls or a rabbi along or Joseph or Mary along to kind of coach him. He had them internalized. This is what the Holy Family did. And they took their responsibility, their family, the Holy Family, and had instilled the scriptures into the heart and mind of Jesus growing up in their midst. That should be the same goal today. Why should it be any different? We kind of elevate and praise uh, the Holy Family as we should, but we need to follow their example.
Now, lastly, I'd like to appeal to young people because if your child can do long division, they can do this Bible study. And I dare say, if they can even do multiplication, then they can certainly do Bible study. And I invite young people to join us. You know, it says in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15, listen, from childhood, he's talking to Timothy, who became a valued assistant to the Apostle Paul. From childhood, you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation. From childhood. And if you are homeschooling and want a class in the scriptures and you want to do this, if I get enough interest, uh, and again, if you want to do this and your children are wanting to participate in these family studies, and you can listen on your local Catholic radio station, which you should, and then even if a second time during the week you want to listen to these shows, you can get them on iTunes. So if you're homeschooling or doing any type of family-based spiritual formation, which is the kind of spiritual formation, because that's another chapter in the same book I'm writing, anything you do in your family will stick, and internalized scriptures will give you power within to live a godly life without washing out in today's society. So I will make some quizzes, some little aids uh, if you're a young person going through this. Again, if I can get enough feedback, so send me an email at askthehost at gmail.com, and I'll, if I get enough interest, I'll let you know, and I'll, beginning, I'll begin to make some quizzes and other resources to help young people going through. And the, the scriptures are not just a thing for adults. Uh, you know, from childhood, St. Timothy was prepared by his mother and grandmother, and then St. Paul was kind of a substitute dad, so to speak, spiritually, and formed him to meet these challenges. So I want to encourage you, mom and dad and children as well, to make these scriptures your own. Uh, St. Timothy says, in the last days, there's going to come times of stress. Men will be lovers of self and lovers of money and proud and arrogant and abusive, holding the form of religion, but denying the power of it. And he says, while evil men and imposters go from bad to worse, you continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed from childhood. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 224 of Faith and Family. Faith and Family is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at dads.org to order copies of Faith and Family broadcasts and to learn more about Catholic family life.